Hello, everybody. How are you? Hope everything is good. Welcome back to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. And today we're going to start with some questions that I've uh, I've kind of been pursuing myself that I hope to offer a couple quotes about that I think are interesting and maybe they might be helpful for you too. So how should we pursue happiness? And really, how much should we care about happiness? I think these are interesting questions, right? Is happiness overrated? What role should happiness play in a life? Um, so I'm going to read a couple quotes. One is from Epictetus. The other is from Albert Camus, who we've yet to discuss. We're going to talk about Camus a lot. He's one of my favorite philosophers. He helps me a lot. Uh, and I recently watched a movie called Palm Springs, which I recommend, and I will definitely talk about, but I want to watch it a couple more times, um, that I think in a lot of ways embodies his philosophy, his absurdist philosophy, essentially very summarized version of it. We'll get more into it, but just for the sake of this conversation, the universe is chaotic, meaningless. We as human individuals want meaning. We look for it. We don't find it. We have to start living and then it kind of just gets made, right? And we're capable, we might argue too, of making the meaning, but to search for it is a problem. To look up at a chaotic universe that for Camus doesn't really care about what we want and look for meaning, you're just going to end up disappointed and making yourself even unhappier. So on that note, let me share this quote from Camus that I actually think is pretty inspiring. And this is a famous quote from him. And it just when I was thinking about happiness today, I, I always sort of drift towards Camus a little bit because I love these ideas. So here's a quote from him. You will never be happy if you continue to search for what happiness consists of. You will never live if you are looking for the meaning of life. So I think this really speaks to my uh, my preferred approach to philosophy, which is we have to try to live, right? So one way of looking at this, you know, to search for meaning or happiness is like, let me read about it. Let me think about it. Let me write about it. But eventually you have to put the book down and you have to actually try to lead a life. And ironically, we can use this reading or this listening, hopefully, to help us get out of our own way in a sense, right? In a way we're doing the thing he's telling us not to do if we just leave these words on the page, right? But if we could use this to encourage ourselves to think differently, and then to live differently, that's a win, right? So for the Stoics, again, the universe is rational and we're kind of examining. I think Camus is saying, he's not saying don't live the examined life. He's not saying, I don't think, to never think about life because that wouldn't make sense, right? He was a prolific author that definitely involves thinking about life. His characters were, you know, I think very profound or they were, let's say, profoundly deep, right? They, they really were well-constructed. So this was someone who did think about his life and the lives of others. But I think he wants us to fight what might at times be this excessive thing of like, what does it all mean? You know, even Marcus Aurelius in Meditations is telling himself like, enough with the books, like stop reading, let's move out, like let's move on, let's move out into the world. You know, and I think this actually, for those of us, and I know I'm not alone here, I've heard a lot of people say this, who would characterize themselves as overthinkers, Camus is giving us an antidote here. Stop thinking about this, right? I think when we think about happiness, great sentence, um, too much, we get in our own way a lot. When we think about the absence of happiness and the question is, why am I not happy? It's sort of like we're asking the universe that. We're asking ourselves that because I think, unfortunately, we connect our happiness to external things a lot, right? So it's like, why am I unhappy? Well, is it because I don't have the right job? Is it because I'm single? Is it because my friends don't call me back? Whatever. We start attaching it to these external things. And I think that's also partially what Camus is saying when he's like, look, the universe is chaotic. Just don't look there as much for the things that we need or the things that we, let's say, righteously desire. 
right? So the idea like to stop searching, I think one way to interpret that is stop searching outside, right? Stop looking to other people, stop looking to the universe, which again for Camus is chaotic. Stop looking at it so much. Just to say also stop relying on it to give you the meaning like in this packaged, wrapped up, like a gift thing. It's not there for him. So you have to start living. You have to stop looking and start living. I was talking to a friend of mine recently and he was saying he's kind of doing this trip around uh, the country now. He's working remotely. And his thing is he's staying in different different places, like different hostels, whatever. And he made a great point. He's like, I'm just here. I'm just trying to be as kind as I can be to everyone. He kind of set himself on this thing to just go out and live. And I don't think this is a quote extreme example, right? But you could do that when you leave your apartment, right? Just kind of set yourself. I'm just set yourself in motion. I'm not going to think about this too much. I'm, like, I'm just going to be nice to people today. And then life kind of makes its own meaning through action, right? One of Camus' contemporaries and at one time friend, they got into some political debates and they stopped being friends. But an existentialist, which is a philosophy, I would say that's kind of absurdism's cousin. Jean-Paul Sartre, great quote. I've said it already, I think. But there's no reality outside of action, right? So as much as we could think about all this stuff, what is happiness? Why am I unhappy? Why am I happy? It's only useful to a certain degree, right? Again, Marcus Aurelius, put the books down. Marcus Aurelius, you come across a hole in the ground when you're trying to walk to work. Don't sit and think about the hole for 20 minutes. Why is it here? Just walk around it and keep it moving in your own direction that you're kind of just choosing and you're going in, right? Camus also says, you know, this is not verbatim, so I'm not quoting this directly, but it's like, look within yourself for happiness. That's a search that's a little bit easier. And he gives us some more advice on this that I think is actually really interesting. So his idea is the following on that, right? The four conditions of happiness are life in the open air, love for another being, freedom from ambition and creation. So let's start with creation for a second, right? Creation, you can do that. You can make something right now, right? And that involves a lot. That involves paying attention to the moment. If you're going to make something, you have to pay attention to doing that thing. One of the things that I love about self-writing is like you're kind of making something, right? You're making this notebook, you're writing, you're taking action in the moment. If you're being attentive to it, it'll pull your attention away from the past, away from the, the future, which often can be sources like thoughts of the future, thoughts of the past can often be sources of unhappiness, of suffering, right? It's where anxiety lives in the future, regret lives in the past. So when we take action to actually create something, right? It's like, all right, we're, we're giving our attention to the moment. That in and of itself can bring us to happiness. Right? Happiness won't be the first thing, which is a broader point too. Happiness maybe shouldn't be our first aim. It maybe even shouldn't be our first, second, third, fourth, or fifth aim. Because what he's saying here is if you're unhappy, don't worry about it. Don't think about it too much. Don't set out to look for happiness. Just maybe set out to make something. Next one, set out to free yourself from ambition. Well, the only person ultimately, and this is very much an existential point or existentialist point, let's say, only person driving you is you. Right, as much as, and this is something I struggle with a lot, and this leads me to another great quote from Camus in a second. As much as we might like to make other people proud, they're not really the ones giving us that ambition. We are, and we have to take responsibility for that. Which, of course, isn't to say that we should, just for argument's sake, right? We shouldn't maybe entirely not care about making people proud, right? That's not great either. We want to offer people joy. We want to 
represent their ideas, to honor them and pay respect to them, of course, right? But to put so much of your happiness into making other people prouder, into feeling like you're fulfilling other people's expectations for you, you're not going to be happy. So we have to reel that in too. So freedom from ambition, and we already talked about ambition with Marcus Aurelius, he connects it, I think, very clearly to other people's opinions instead of our own actions. So when he says freedom from ambition, we have to work to cultivate a healthier relationship to these external voices, but also to the voices that are, you know, that are our own. And why is ambition at times so unhealthy for happiness? I struggle with this a lot. You just want more. You could always find a way to want more. If ambition goes untamed, that's what's going to happen. Right? So that that is a condition for happiness because even when you get the relationship or the job or the car or whatever, you're training yourself to just keep going. We have to reel that in. Again, it's not to say to have no ambition necessarily, I don't think. But we can control it. Freedom from doesn't mean make it non-existent. It means don't let it control you. Right? Love for another being. So this does not mean, at least I don't interpret it in this way, that you have to be in a relationship necessarily. You love your friends. You love your family. And if you are in a relationship, you should work to love your significant other the same way you work to love everyone else in your life, right? But I do think that is an important condition for happiness. And let's keep in mind too, he's not saying, and this is maybe a little bit tough to hear, but I think even to offer love can bring us happiness. But if we start relying upon the reciprocation of love, which again is normal, and we should have reciprocated love relationships, right? In order for them to be sustainable, of course. But if we focused instead more on just offering love, that's the condition of happiness he's given us here. He's not saying to be love, to no, to be loved. He's saying love for another. So maybe if we work to like spread love, that is a great pathway to happiness, regardless of the circumstance. If we work to be loving towards others and then appreciate what is reciprocated, and then take that reciprocation, take what we offer, and hopefully perpetuate and continue that with people. Good idea. But in terms of a condition for happiness, maybe it's enough to just offer love. Right? And again, love is not, and I'm trying to make this clear, it's not just about romantic love, right? It's about all different types of love. To be loving might be a pathway to happiness. So how do we do that? That's a great question. And we'll all interpret that differently, right? Um, and life in the open air, I think, really connects nicely to our modern life. Get off your phone. Get off your or get off your phone, stop staring at screens all day, and try to go outside. Be active, right? Camus also led a very active life. He was a journalist. He was into sports. He wrote, you know, beautiful books. I mean, he was a really active guy. He's politically active. He gave speeches, right? I mean, he really had a certain, like, joie de vivre in a sense, right? Like, it's sort of like just joy, um, or seemingly at least, had a joy that makes me think he, you know, he, he lived a life in open air. I think that's what he meant by that. I'm interpreting that very literally. And I think that it's still, even if I'm wrong, I think that's a good interpretation, right? Because I think we're, you know, especially now we're really closed in. Even just go sitting, you know, going to sit by a window, opening it up, just, you know, being a little bit in the sun, you know, things I think also can imbue our lives, right? Connection with nature of any kind, right? Um, even a connection to a beautiful, seeing where there isn't too much nature, right? So we're maybe architecture, different types of art or the aesthetic. I think that gives life 
a sense of openness, right? It opens us up. Like we watch a good movie, listen to a good song. There's something that has an open air energy to me, right? It's like it's like a breath of fresh air. So we kind of seek that a little bit too. And that becomes a condition for happiness. So how do we do these? I think these are all things we could think about in regards to our self-writing, our meditation, our dialogue with ourselves, and then other practices too. Life in the open air, go for a walk. Love for another being. Try to be as kind as you can be at work this week. Freedom from ambition. Write about that. If you're someone like myself who feels at times tortured by the sense that, you know, there's always something else to do. How do we, and this is a real question because I'm not, I'm not good at this. How do we work to stop doing that? Well, maybe by realizing first that, look, this is kind of damaging me. This isn't really helping me right now. All right. So if it's not helping me and I could say that, I have to give it some attention. Because maybe like myself, a lot of times too, we, we confuse ambition for always being a virtue and it's not. It can also be excessive and it could definitely damage our happiness. You'll never feel fulfilled if you just keep telling yourself that you need to do more. More is not always, or I think in this case for Camus especially, wanting more is going to lead us to some unhappiness. Then creation too, right? Try to make something, even something like a meal, right? I found that to be really interesting, like learning how to cook more and taking pride in that, like and just enjoying the process of making food. That's a simple example, but I do think there's something very spiritual about cooking for yourself, cooking for others, and seeing it as, as an act of creation. And of course, we're always creating ourselves, right? That's another great idea that I get from Jean-Paul Sartre, existentialism is a humanism, right? You're always making you. So it's like you want to populate your life with activities that are good, right? Get to the living. Then hopefully also another way of looking at this is your thoughts and feelings will follow, but just get moving. You know, Camus famously, and this is a little bit tough to hear, but, and I'm not even sure if this is really accurately attributed to him, but I think it's a really interesting quote. Um, he famously said, you know, I wake up and I think coffee or suicide. And he didn't commit suicide himself, right? And I think he's talking there about suicide as a philosophical problem in a physical and also a philosophical sense in his work, The Myth of Sisyphus. But he'd like, he'd tell you, choose coffee. Coffee gets you moving. Coffee gets you taking action, right? So you want to create something, a little coffee will help. You want to go out and get into the open air, go for a walk, get physically active, a little coffee will help. Love is, you know, loving, being loving isn't always easy either, you know? That can take work and energy. And I think, as I said recently, I think, you know, a lot of love involves being able to pay attention to people in a way that's authentic and caring. That takes energy too. Because we have our own problems. And one of the things I think that makes relationships sustainable is that we're willing to offer energy to others. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you all of my attention, not some of it. I'm gonna give you every, you know, every ounce of my energy is going to be dedicated to you right now. That's a really loving act, right? So I think also a little coffee there is helpful. So I want to quickly read the quote from Epictetus too. And it's just, you know, more support for an idea, again, that I've been grappling with a lot recently, which is this idea that ambition can be really problematic. He says in a section called, happiness can only be found within. Another great idea. Um, quote, we cannot have a light heart if our minds are a woeful cauldron of fear and ambition. And I think fear and ambition actually connect really nicely. And by that, I don't mean that it's a good thing. I just mean it makes sense really nicely for me, right? Ambition is like, I have to do more, I have to do more. Well, there's usually a fear there. 
once again, for me, maybe a fear of letting somebody down, a fear of not earning something, right? The approval or what have you, right? So overly ambitious people, for those of us listening, maybe understand that ambition is cool, right? But we have to learn how to keep it balanced. And we have to do it for the right reasons, because I also do think you can be ambitious for reasons that are way less affected by or motivated by fear. And maybe the fear is always there, but let's decrease the percentage of the fear, right? Because that's that Bictidius is saying here, you're not going to have a light heart, and that's what's necessary for happiness. So I hope this is helpful. I'll try to keep this. That's fine. Perfect. All right. Right around 15 minutes. So thank you for listening. Hope some of these ideas were helpful. Take care, and I'll talk to you soon.